Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do i use on my racket i use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know i'm a hairy guy as you can imagine i sweat when i play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point for all of you listeners. Our weekly breakdown of all of the action happening across the Division I men's college tennis world, of course. It was a fantastic weekend of action across the country. Certainly, we've got some things to celebrate here on this show. Now, normally, we record this. This podcast over on, uh, and I apologize if it's my audio that started loud, has gotten a little bit quiet. We are back to normal now. See, that's the fun of recording live, folks. So I apologize to all of you who heard that on the podcast as well. I think I was too excited for my microphone on the Someone intro finally there. muted your woo. Yeah, exactly. The audio box rebelled against me, but obviously some of the storylines we got to hit here on today's show. The Michigan Wolverines re-announcing their presence here on the national stage. They didn't just beat Ohio State and Baylor. They beat them both 4-0. And obviously we want to talk about those performances, our takeaway from those matches, of course. We've got some other teams we got to discuss as well. In particular, we've often been accused of a Power 5 bias, but we got to get into some non-Power 5 results here today. In particular, I want to talk about Harvard's West Coast Swing. I want to talk about a bunch of those non-Power 5 teams as well. Pepperdine, Memphis, Middle Tennessee, uh, the works. Who is still in the running for a top 16 seed? Who are the teams we should be watching out for as we approach conference play? Of course, got to get to some of the Power 5 as well, and we will in our best of the rest segment. We'll play our usual game of good win, bad loss. We'll get to the rankings. We'll get to our cross-offs, the computer rankings, the weekend head as well. So much 
for us to discuss here on today's show. And for those of you who are tuning in to our live stream here on YouTube, appreciate all of you who are willing to join us an hour early today. Now, I would have started at a normal seven o'clock, but Matt, Chris, they insisted. They were like, Alex, we have to watch the Michigan game at 7.30. We have to start at 7 p.m. I was like, guys, are you sure? Because who cares about basketball when there's college tennis to discuss? They're like, no, 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 no. We have to watch Michigan. We need your Wolverines to lose. We need you to be brought back down to earth. I can understand that inclination. I can understand that feeling. So again, I appreciate all of you who are joining us an hour early. I do promise that we will be back to our normal time 7 p.m eastern moving forward and throughout the rest of this season with all of that said you've already heard from them of course if you're watching live you see them on the screen but got to introduce the two members of our crack rackets holy trinity who helped me steer the ship each and every week on this show our two other college tennis experts let's start where we always start you know him as your co-favorite writer on our website crackrackets.com a former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net and a voter in the USTA Tennis Channel Top 25. It is our friend, Matt the Cracks, the Koyak. Matty, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Gruskin, do you really think I care about Michigan basketball? I know you do, deeply, a, in your a team, A team that had like 17 regular season wins that probably shouldn't have even made the tournament you think I care about Michigan basketball? Come they're on, like man. They're like the women's equivalent of uh, tennis equivalent of Stanford. They're just like, they're just going to be there. You know five what? Five straight sweet 16s. Five straight. All right, baby. fine. I'll watch it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just figured you were trying to avoid any Michigan Baylor tennis talk for as long as possible, Maddie. Yeah, well, I knew it was coming. I mean, I couldn't avoid it forever. The only thing I could do is just call out sick, but... Um, Probably yeah. wouldn't have worked Look, out too well. I sent a message to Parsa saying, I don't know if Maddie's going to show up tonight. We may need a fill-in third. Thankfully, you did. Always a pleasure to have you. Less so of a pleasure to be joined by the third member of our Holy Trinity. Nevertheless, he joins us once again. All blue outfit for us today. Maybe that's indicative of his feelings after a rough weekend for his Liberty Flames. But of course, you know him best as a forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, the snitch, the professor. It's our friend, Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Are you feeling blue right now? I don't know that I'm feeling blue. I also don't know that I have ever in my life felt like taking up for Stanford women's tennis <laughs> until you compared them to Michigan basketball. Now <laughs> I feel so much better. Stand up for the, now I feel compelled to stand up for the Cardinal. Yeah, no, Coach Farood is so much more. I mean, she hit her 500th win this past weekend, and Coach Calvis, 700 wins. I mean, just come on. They're, they're so good, they're easy to hate. Michigan so, basketball, not in that category. I brought this up with Jay, and this is just a random tidbit, but something I don't. I think we should talk about more as a college tennis community. Annika Yarlagata, who plays for North Carolina, obviously from my area, she goes to school that 2019-2020 year. She has never lost a regular season match in college tennis. Like she's lost one match. It was the semifinals of the NCAAs. That's it through three seasons. I'd be like, that's the life. That's the life I want to live. I'm like, that's what we're talking about. Anything short of that is not success. Um, but that's the standards we play to. 
here at Crack Rackets. And again, we want to get through all of the past week in Division One men's college tennis. The reason we're able to do that day in, day out, week in, week out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you, whether it be coaches, players, fans, Scotty B, who, of course, I see on the chat. Welcome in, as always. We are immensely grateful. All of you have embraced us, have you know, helped us form this Crack Rackets college tennis community, helped brought all of us together. And obviously we know and believe in this sport. We want to provide it a platform. You guys allow us to do so. So thank you for the support. Also huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision and Turner. And of course you all know Swing Vision. It is artificial intelligence for your tennis. If you want to get better in the most efficient way possible, you should download the Swing Vision app today. You're going to set it up whenever you hit. It's going to take video of your performance. It's going to break down the film so that you don't have to. You don't have time. You know, we're not all in the post-retirement phase of life like Chris Hellyors. We don't just all have time to take private lessons whenever, you know, we don't all have that sort of dough. This is the efficient, cost, uh, cost-efficient way to do so. You download the Swing Vision app and you can learn more about them by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. You use our promo code CRACK20 on sign up, 14-day pro trial, $20 discount again, artificial intelligence for your tennis. Doesn't that just sound good? Download the Swing Vision app today. Of course, a huge thank you to our friends at Turna as well. And across levels, you know a Turna grip, that bluish purple grip you see on the bottom of so many rackets, pro players, college players, junior players, local players, everyone uses it. There's a reason why. They've also got fantastic non-grip products as well. If you want to learn more about them, Join the Turner team. You contact sales at uniquesports.com today. They will give you discounted prices. They'll give you free samples that you mentioned. We sent you there. Again, email sales at uniquesports.com today. A huge thank you to our friends at Turner. With all of that said, it's time to talk college tennis. And it's time to talk about a subject near and dear to my heart. I almost asked super producer Daniel Westoff to cue us in with the victors here today, but I thought that might be a little too cheesy. And again, we're we're happy, but we're not satisfied. We're still hungry if you're a Wolverine fan, but certainly for the Michigan Wolverines, this was a weekend you've been waiting for, I don't know, since 1996, maybe. If you want to look back through the program's history, and certainly this Michigan team had been on the precipice of this sort of success in recent memory. You go back to 2018, Coach Steinberg leads a group, Alex Knight, Leo Hua, all the way through to Carter Lynn, Davis Crocker. They make their first Sweet 16 in Coach Steinberg's tenure in Ann Arbor. Then flash forward to 2020, a new nucleus had emerged. You had Andrew Fenty and freshman by the name of Andre Styler and you know, the Johnstons and Beatties, Maloney's of the world, they made a run all the way to the 20, the 2020 National Indoor Semifinals, a match and a tournament, Chris, you and I were on the broadcast for, and that run felt spectacular if you're a Wolverine fan. And, you know, you date back to that semifinal, Michigan took doubles in four first sets in singles against USC, your eventual national indoor champion. They were on the precipice of a national final and then COVID hits. And you look at the 2021 season, Big Ten only schedule outside of the kickoff weekend and NCAAs. It was tough for the Wolverines to find their footing. Certainly a program first in a long time in terms of a victory over Ohio State, but never really had that chance from a rankings perspective to catapult themselves into the top 10, jump into that next level where if you're a Michigan fan, you feel like the program should be headed. They do that this weekend, not only beating the Ohio State Buckeyes, not only beating the Baylor Bears, they beat them 4-0 and they beat Baylor 
outdoors 4-0, a second outdoor win for a team that went to Fort Worth and beat TCU fairly comfortably outside as well. And then you look at the formula they did it with. They take doubles in both matches. They do it at the two and three double spots. They also, in both matches, take five and six singles. I'll go to you first, Maddie. Again, if we were to play good win, bad loss, you see a 4-0 scoreline and you say maybe it is a bad loss for both Ohio State and Baylor. I don't know how you can, I like, I don't see the spin for that. I don't know how you can say anything other than this was a good win and here come the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do. And going back to the beginning of the season, guys, like I remember thinking, okay, this Michigan team could be a little bit different, right? I mean, you you bring back Fenty and Styler, who we know can play at a really, really high level. Gavin Young's coming in. You know, I don't think any of us knew the emergence of Bickersteth. I, I don't think any of us would have thought that he would be doing exactly what he's doing. Um, but no, I mean, we knew they were talented. And this was going to be a deeper team than maybe some Michigan teams in the past. But you know, the question was, could they put it all together against the elite squads like Ohio State and TCU and Baylor? And clearly they can. You know, the beginning of this year, things just weren't going right, right? Health and, you know, Fenty and Styler weren't playing that well towards the beginning of the season. It just, the pieces weren't all clicking, right, at the same time. And now you can really see this team starting to gel. I mean, they're coming together. They're healthy. Everybody's playing well now at the same time. And this is the time of the year that you want to do that, right? We're getting into April soon. Um, the timing couldn't be couldn't be better for Michigan. So I am not completely shocked by these results. Am I surprised? Yes. Would I have called them? No. No way would I have called 4-0 wins over Ohio State and Baylor. No chance of that. But am I completely floored? I mean, is this the wildest thing that I could have imagined? No, because, you know, I think we even talked about this, you know, when we were doing our college contenders, Michigan was a consideration, at least for me, for us to maybe put in our top 10 college contenders. They were close. They were around that ballpark. So I knew they were talented, um, but I mean, they've proven that they can do it outdoors, indoors, and they're clicking. So yeah, credit to them. Yeah, it's on all cylinders. And you look yep. for the Wolverines again. Nick Beattie had not been playing much at the number six single spot. Now, we knew they had the fifth year, sixth year senior in the queue waiting. But you look for him this weekend to get a four and four win, I believe it was, over Justin Boulay. And, you know, for them, him to follow it up, I think much more impressively. Yeah, he beats Mizuchi, you know, six three three six six one over Mizuchi. At six, Mizuchi at six, you felt like was a lock for the Baylor Bears. And, you know, he had had so much success. What, lost maybe one match on the season, two coming in. And, you know, one of them was at the five spot to Mitsui. And so for BD to get those wins, we knew what he was capable of. We've seen the singles he's played over the past two seasons. You mention it. It's that now you can put BD at six and you have this you know, again, 23, 24 year old as experienced as any player in the country, you feel like he can go get wins over a Boulay. He can go get a win over a Mizuchi, but you mentioned it. What has made this Michigan team elite? Certainly we know what Fenty and Styler are capable of when they're playing their best. And Styler not only is closing in on match point on Adrian Boyton at one against Baylor, but he beats Kingsley four and four in just a grown man match. That was a match holds of serve plus one tennis 
And to Styler's credit, he outdid Kingsley, who I don't think played poorly. I just thought Styler was lights out indoors. But the player who has made this Michigan team not only certainly, as you said, a college contender, but not just top 10, but in that neighborhood of the top five, and in my opinion, no longer a cross-off, is Jacob Bickerstaff, who had a great fall, but is 10-1 in dual match play, Chris. 10-1. I told you guys. I'm not saying I said I saw 10-1, but I said if he's at 5-6, and I'm feeling good about these Wolverines. Well, he beats Nava early in the season, and yet with the success of a Maloney, who beats Sven Law despite being down 5-0 in the, in the second set and ends up winning that match in straights and gets a set off J.J. Tracy, which I think is, you know, you're in the third with Tracy. That's a good result. I think you can justify him at three. Styler and Fenty. Fenty may not be winning every match, but he's in that I'm not going to lose. I promise you that sort of phase right now. They just have multiple paths to four right now, Chris, because everything is clicking. And I don't mean to celebrate too much. I know I'm jinxing it, but like this is the reality. Yeah, so for, first, the first question I have is for Maddie. So Gruskin leads with happy but not satisfied. The question is, do you believe him? Because I don't. No, I don't believe him. He's happy as hell. He's ecstatic. Oh, he doesn't yeah. really believe they can win the national championship this year. He's jumping for joy at the weekend they just had. And that's what it's going to take is the same attitude that Gruskin's hiding behind that he doesn't have right now. The guys have to not have that and think they can do it. But I, I actually do right. think, I mean, I think they can. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, been a great weekend. Gruskin also undersold the doubles and four first sets that was doubles and five first sets against USC at indoors. Oh, but uh, no, these guys, I mean, tremendous weekend. We talked about it last week. They had only lost at kickoff four, three to wake. Without Styler. Without, yeah. And then arguably a bad loss at Harvard or, you know, everybody gets one of those. And if that's, if that's the only one you're going to have point out, Styler five. couldn't hit two handed backhands in that match because he was still coming off of injury. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, even at that, I mean, okay, that that's it for the season. And we said, Hey, if they come out, if they come in this weekend and show it, then they're, you know, they're, they, you know, we could have even last week said, don't cross them off because that that's all they've lost. And they've beaten TCU. They looked good. They backed it up this week to say, yeah, basically TCU wasn't the fluke. Harvard was, and you know, and, and we're in there as a contender. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And you look at the doubles and Scotty B points it out and you have to point it out, you know, Soto and Mizuchi were up five, four, 40 love serving for the double set and serving for the doubles point and a couple of double faults in that game. Ultimately, Michigan takes it. I will say this, getting to watch that first match against Ohio State, seeing the clips that I saw of the outdoor match as well, and obviously it hurts that an institution as esteemed as Michigan doesn't have outdoor cameras. Now, of course, the argument is if you're lucky, you play eight outdoor matches. If you're a Big Ten team, is it really worth having cameras? My follow-up is don't worry. Big Ten cameras is two rows in a Michigan football game. So come on, guys. We're Ann Arbor. We can do this. Um, I mean, I don't think Fenty and Aaron Schneider are playing particularly well. Like they're four and two at that number one double spot. But the length of Gavin Young, it's funny. Here's why I'm so excited about Michigan men's tennis being good. I was on the phone with my little brother for an hour about this. And so like I flushed all the thoughts out with him and he was given, he was giving them back. It was great. Like he's even inspired. That's the sort of weekend it was, um, you know, again, I feel like they can still get better because 
I feel really good about Maloney and Beattie at three. That's an experienced team. I think Young and Styler, that's just a lot of arms and a lot of big serves. I don't think we're playing our best in doubles, and yet we took two doubles points. I still think there's upside, and I want to go to you next, Chris, because Jay asks a really good question, and obviously right now for this Michigan team, you mentioned it. Uh, you know, 10-2 and two overall, the two losses, 4-3 at Wake, 4-3 at Harvard. The question is, though, yes, they have wins over Baylor, Ohio State, TCU, and right now when you're not counting all of the wins, that looks extraordinarily strong. Big Ten has a bunch of solid schools, but really outside of Northwestern, Ohio State, they don't have anyone top 30 right now. Like With all due respect to Illinois, their early season struggles have hurt them in the rankings. Does this Michigan team need to beat Ohio State again to ensure it's top eight? Or is it in a pretty good position right now? Where are they? Well, I mean, a lot of that depends on what some of those other teams do. But but look, they're going to get, uh, you know, assuming, let's just assume that the only match they might potentially lose in the regular season is Ohio State and that they run the rest of them. Okay. If that's the case, they're going to get some good points out of the Northwestern match. After that, yeah, there's not a lot of big points left to be had. It would certainly be nice for them if, like, you know, an Illinois or I don't even know who else it could be, honestly. There's just not that much opportunity for the Big Ten to to really get a good team to rise up into the, you know, 40 range, if you will, and, and provide some points. So, yeah, that makes it tough. They may not have to beat Ohio State in the regular season, but I don't think they can afford to lose to Ohio state in the regular season and then lose to them again in the conference tournament and not, you know, basically put up a win against Northwestern in the regular season. And then another win against maybe Northwestern in the tournament, God forbid they get end up on the other half and don't even have to have to play them and, and, you know, and get the four, four seed coming in. That that's going to make it tough, right? We're only go. We're, we were only at five wins uh, this week, going to six, and you get nine by the time the NCA rolls around. So that's a you know that means they're going to be counting some very very weak wins, and it's going to make those big ones even more critical. They're going to need you know the they're going to need all those teams to be top five: Ohio State, TCU, Baylor. Uh, if they're all top five, they get those big points. But yeah, it's going to be tough. Top eight, still possible. I mean, there's a lot of movement in and around. I think the top four or five are going to be pretty solid, but there's still movement after that. And they can do it if they if they can get, if they get one more win, even if they can get two matches against Ohio State and split them, for sure they're a top eight. Yeah, but here's my thing. Even if they're not a top eight, let's say they're a nine or a 10 or an 11. Why they can go on the road and take out whoever's six, seven, eight. Like, I'm not that concerned about that. They've already proven they can go to Fort Worth and win outdoors there. So, you know what? So, what if they're the nine or the 10 or the 11? This team's good enough to go on the road and win. I'll tell you why. So, what? Because I don't think we're going to be doing any broadcasts, sadly, for the NCAA tournament. And I want to be in Ann Arbor for a Sweet 16 matchup for the regional. Wow. I would love that. And so that's why it Sorry. matters. But on the flip side, and I want to go to you here, Maddie, Baylor's 17-2. and two. They've earned wins over Texas, over Kentucky, over Arizona, Oklahoma, over Virginia. They've had moments yep. where, you know, again, you see the outline there. At the same time, 
despite being 17 and two, you know, in the two losses, Tennessee, Michigan, yes, it was 4-0. It was closer. Although, was it closer than the 4-0 scoreline? I don't really know if it was. I mean, Bickersteth and Beattie both off the court. You know, Bickersteth, excuse me, and Maloney both off the courts and straights. Though Sven was up 5-0 in the second there. What's your diagnosis right now of Baylor? This, If this is the team that shows up in May, I think I can say it comfortably. They're not winning. No, 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 no. They won't win. They will not win if they continue to play like this. I mean, I just, I don't know why it's, it's all, it's not coming together. I mean, it's March 24th. Now we're getting into April. Big 12 play is going to start soon. TCU this weekend. This weekend. Yeah. TCU on Friday, even though I believe that's, that's a non-conference. That yeah, they've got TCU big, like two of the next three. That's right. So the way it's going right now, look, I'll just say it. I'm picking TCU. I'm picking, I'm picking the frogs. I mean, with, with what I'm seeing right now, Baylor can do it there. The doubles still, man. I mean, you five, four, 40 love, whatever you said, I didn't see this match. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but God, man, close that out. Like that could change the entire complexion of the dual match. And I don't know how they reacted after dropping that doubles point. Like did that let all the air out of the balloon for the bears and, and going into singles? I really don't know. I didn't see it, but I just feel like, you know, compared to last year, the depth is not as strong, right? I mean, Nick, Charlie, Spencer, like those guys could be relied upon and we're not seeing the same type of production at four, five, and six. We've seen some good production. I mean, Wampy's been very good. Finn's had his moments. You know, Marco hasn't really come on yet and, and made the, the transition into college tennis the way that I would have hoped. Teddy's been in and out of the lineup. He's been okay, but he's not stellar. Like, it's just, it's tough, you know? And, and when you're relying on Adrian and Mati and Sven to win every match, you know, and then you don't win, you don't win doubles points. Like, it's going to be tough against these good teams. So, um, no, my assessment is Baylor still has the talent to get it done. They have the team, but something's got to change. I mean, they have, they've got to fix doubles and they've got to have everybody clicking in singles um, or else you're right, Gruskin. We'll get into May and they're going to get clipped by, by another good team. Yeah, I don't know if there's much to add to that. Chris, you're more than welcome to if you'd like. The, I would flip it and go to Ohio State next. It's crazy. You add Votel, you add Van Emberg. You bring back just about everyone from the roster except McNally and Selig. They feel the guy short. And I know the record still looks good for them at six, but with all due respect, you know, Cash did not have the best national indoors. And I still think there are moments with the aggressiveness that he plays with, the confidence, the energy he brings on court. You like having him out there. Boulay has been in and out constantly in the singles lineup. And we know Coach Tucker and Boulay, it's a yo-yo sort of relationship in terms of he's in, he's out of that lineup. Luchonics played a little bit, mixed results. That's a great thing to say, seriously. Um, Anthrop sitting there. Like, I, to me, it's just, when do you pull the Anthrop pin? Because I think it's time if you're Ohio State, Chris. Like, they're just not, I mean, again, Beattie gave Boulay the business, and that's a testament to Nick Beattie, but it just keeps happening for Ohio State at six. But I don't think it's, I mean, to your former point that they feel a guy short. I don't know that they feel a guy short any more than they did last year. I mean, we had these same discussions last year about who's it, who's going to be playing six. What's the answer. I'll say this. I think 
in my mind, the Votzel for McNally thing, I, I'll I'll call that a wash. I mean, Votzel might even be a hair better, but it's I, I'm I'm okay with. I mean, I think that's pretty much a wash. I think what makes you what makes you feel a little bit not as good is you just felt like Seelig was much more of a lock sure. than Van Amberg has been so far. Right? I mean, he he's up and down. He's got a big game and he can play big with anybody but he also has some lower lows than what Kyle had. And you just feel like it's, it's just an unknown. So you don't know what you're going to get beyond that. I kind of feel like it's the same thing. And we still sit here and wonder, are they going to have the goods at six? Are they going to have the goods at six outdoors? I mean, honestly, I think the guy that's best suited for the, the guy I like the best at six is Robbie cash, but Robbie cash is going to be better indoors than he is out. So yep. the, the question is when they're outdoors, is it Robbie? Is it Luchanig? Is it Boulay? Does answer? I honestly, I don't know how you go an entire season to the end of March and then decide, you know what, this plan, the red shirt Anthrop, uh, we need to give up on it. I, I don't think that's in Ty's genes, man. I think yeah. he's made the decision that he's, I mean, I don't Same know. With I, Ethan I, I Quinn, know right in Georgia. Yeah. I, yeah. I know nothing. I just think he's that, you know, that, that decision has been made and, and he's, you know, he's not having buyer's regrets here and going back. He's doing it for the good of the long term for the team. That's what that's the way he's going to play it. And 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 these guys should be good enough to to win with the team they've got. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, let's move away from Ann Arbor. But again, Michigan 4-0 victories over Ohio State Baylor Wolverines announcing their presence uh, to on the national stage. Let's go to the West Coast now and talk about a non-power five team that. It's a mixed bag of results, certainly, uh, for, and that's, of course, the Harvard Crimson, who had knocked off the Wolverines 4-3 earlier in the season. But Harvard goes out west this weekend, uh, excuse me, starts things off with a trip uh, against Wisconsin. They play Wisconsin in San Diego, uh, but they beat Wisconsin 6-1. They then lose 4-3 at Pepperdine. Again, I don't think that's a poor uh, uh, result there. 4-1 win for them against Utah, but then... 4-3 4-3 loss against San Diego. So ultimately two and two on the trip. I mean, I for this Harvard team now, 10 and four, and they do have the win over Michigan, and they do have a good win over Vanderbilt and Ivy League play still to come. That said, I want to go to you here first, Chris. Your reaction to their results and you know, does this knock them out of top 16 contention? No, I mean, I look. Jeff Menneker and I go back and forth on Twitter about this was more related to Columbia than Harvard, but um, no, it doesn't knock them out. It's the Ivy league schedule does hurt. They do have, I mean, you've got Penn and you've got Princeton that are going to be worth decent points. Okay. And Harvard still has a match with Northwestern. So Harvard's, you know, Harvard's got that for them. And then obviously they've got Columbia. Certainly they're not out of it. No, by any stretch of the imagination, because all of those matches are good. The loss is almost, you know, they don't matter for the rankings as much as they do for the morale. Like even when Columbia went and lost to, to USF, right? It's not, the, the losses are not so bad as much as you just look at them and you don't feel as good. It's always possible. A couple wins makes that, makes those lo- makes that loss be long forgotten. They have plenty of room left to secure a top 16 seed. Should they play well, uh, they can make it. I, but when you look at, you know, when you look at losing and granted Pepperdine and San Diego are both good teams, but if you want to be top 16, you feel like, I mean, 
certainly you got at least split against those two. You're, you should beat Utah. You should beat Wisconsin. You, you should split those other two. You can't, you, you can't lose them both. Um, so I don't feel great about it, but there's absolutely not out of the top 16, you know, a, a host spot running. It's tough because again, Columbia has struggled out of the gates. And the thing is Princeton's ranked pretty high, right? Penn's got a pretty solid ranking as well when it comes to the Ivy league. And if they run the table as they're expected to do, they'll get solid wins, but Pepperdine and San Diego, who we're going to talk about momentarily, those would have been good wins. Those would have been for sure counted come the end of the season and would have factored probably above the Ivy league wins that they'll accumulate Here's the good thing for this Harvard team. You're a year away. Like, yeah, you lose Brian Shee, who's been excellent at the top of the lineup. But you look at, you know, Doc Von Sr., Henry von der Schulenberg, who's 9-1 and one for the team thus far in dual matches, 20-4 and four overall in singles on the year. You look at Harris Walker, who's 9-0 and oh in, in dual matches in singles and 16-3 and three overall in singles on the year. There are a lot of pieces here, whether it's Alan Yim or just, again, across the board, uh, Jatschuk. They're, they've got some time, right? And they continue to bring in good recruiting classes. That said, I I just don't know if I see enough left on the board, Chris, for them to finish yeah, top well, 16, just with how crowded it's going to be. Yeah, I, you, you expect some of those teams, especially those with conference tournaments that get to pile yeah. on a couple extra wins. But And I think I misspoke earlier, said it was five last week and six this. It was six last week, or it was six this week. It's going to seven next week. They've got seven, you know, countable in there. It's their eighth and ninth right now that are unranked. But when you consider Columbia, Northwestern, Princeton, Penn, that's four matches. They need to count two more. Sure, they'd like to upgrade their the, what they've got sitting in the seventh spot right now. Honestly, a 41-pointer sitting in the sixth spot is fine. So if they could get three wins, uh, you know, if they can get three of those four, uh, they're looking good. And then it's, it's really more of a, Hey, those teams right around them, like a USC, right. That's sitting, you know, right behind them right now, certainly going to get opportunities uh, against a Stanford team, you know, a couple times uh, an Arizona team again, even though they've already played them uh, on, you know, most likely say in the tournament, yes, they'll have more opportunities and that could be, you know, that could be dangerous for them. I still think though, as long as they don't lose more than one more match the rest of the way, they have a really good shot at holding on to a top 16 spot. Yeah. And you know, again, Maddie, I, I want to get your thoughts as well. Chris, does it help them to actually split with Pepperdine to have beaten them in the kickoff weekend, but lose to them now? Does that like sneakily help them in the rankings? Well, I mean, no, no it's never as good as winning both. Of sure. Them, but it doesn't but, hurt them is what I'm trying to but say. But it's, it's, it's not a huge, it's not a huge hit, right? Yeah. You're barely taking anything in the loss for that. I mean, Pepperdine's now in the top 20. It's not much of a hurt. Uh, it's so, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a big loss. It's, it's more the, the opportunity cost of the points you didn't get for winning, but the, the losing points really weren't, you know, it's not that much different than if they hadn't played them. It's not huge. I should have said, by the way, Harris Walker, two losses this weekend to Timmy Zietvogel and to San Diego. Um, also for Pepperdine, they dropped the doubles point against Harvard and ultimately, again, come back, find four singles victories, flipping that result from the kickoff weekend. I want to get to them in a second. Maddie, any thoughts on Harvard? Not really. I mean, I don't know why we're still talking about this. To me, I, Harvard is 
look, I haven't had them that high in my rankings all year long, guys. I think Chris, Gruskin, you guys have had them higher than I have. The ITAs had them higher. What are the expectations, really? I mean, Gruskin, you said they're a year away or, you know, whatever. So what if they're not top 16? I don't care. I mean, to me, this is not that surprising of a of a loss. 4-3 to San Diego, 4-3 to Pepperdine. Okay. I mean, I, I see that happening uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of times that, that doesn't shock me by any means. Um, you know, their win over Michigan was not the win, you know, it's not the same Michigan team that we're seeing now. I'm sorry, but Andre Styler is a totally different player. So for me, I have never really been all that high on this Harvard team. So um, none of this is surprising to me. If they make top 16, great. If they don't, so what? All right. Completely fair. Well, with that said, let's move on to the teams that beat them. And let's start with the Pepperdine Waves. Pepperdine men now eight and five. And still, when you look at the Waves roster, it's hard to not be compelled. And again, for them to drop the doubles point and beat this Harvard team, really good clinch from Andrew Rogers, who I believe was clinched on in that kickoff weekend match. I think he wins that match six and six over Jatchuk. And, you know, again, eight and five. Certainly now they've got the conference play left on the schedule and they've got that matchup against at San Diego, April 17th. That is just going to be fascinating, certainly for NCAA implications and should be a very fun match. Chris, are they still in the top 16 hunt? Where are you with this Pepperdine team? Oh, I mean, they're at, they're absolutely in the top 16 hunt. Uh, it's Do they have enough points left, though? That's the problem. I just... Um... That's that's a tricky question. I mean, the San Diego match is going to be huge, but you yeah. look at the you look at the rest of their schedule. Basically, that's it. I Gonzaga, mean, sort yeah. of, but yeah, from like a, that really is it from a points perspective. Yeah, you look, you run the ta- Loyola Marymount, Pacific, St. Mary's, Portland, Gonzaga, BYU, San Francisco, and Santa Clara. There there aren't any points in there outside right. of the San Diego match. So that that San Diego match becomes it becomes really, really critical for them. And, and right now they can live on, they've got eight wins right now that get, which them, include, you know, by the way, just quickly, for those that don't know, wins five, two over Arizona, four, two over USC, the four, three win over Harvard as well. A win over Penn San Diego would be a really good fifth win. I don't know if that's enough for 16 though. Yeah, I, I, the problem is, you know, they're getting 20 points out of that Nebraska win right yeah. right now, that Nebraska win probably living off beating UC, or ranking living on, off a win over UCF. It's probably going to fade uh, so that that will get less and less valuable. They could use two more good wins. So that almost makes the I mean, it does to try to hold a top 16. It makes that San Diego win a must. And then they probably have to beat him in the conference tournament again. And then I, I was going to say, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that there's, there's really a chance for them. Uh, boy, is, is there a chance to get anything besides, I don't think there is uh, besides them. I think it th- that's it because yeah, the conference tournament Gonzaga is the next best team currently at, at 51. Unlike, yeah, not going to help. A lot. It's actually a little better. It's better than the Nebraska win, so it'll help. But yeah, I, they might have to beat them twice. That's sad, Maddie. Pepperdine goes to USC, let's say for a regional, or they go to an Arizona or whoever that sixteen is. Are you going to pick them? I might. 
I might. I do think Pepperdine is is more dangerous than Harvard, right? You know, we talk about that Pepperdine Harvard matchup. When I compare the rosters and I look, I I think Pepperdine has a higher upside for sure. I just really year. like their depth. Their depth, yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'm talking about. So. Yeah, Gruskin, I mean, if they go to – I mean, I'm not saying for sure I'm going to pick them, but I'm, I'm going to think about it. I do think Pepperdine is is a more dangerous squad than a San Diego or a Memphis or a Harvard. I I do. I think they are. DeJong's 8-4, and four, Zeet Vogel 8-2, Samaria 7-1, but, you know, Hadigian 5-5 five and, five and Rogers 5-6. and six. I still don't think they're playing their best yet. Doubles, they're 15 and 17 in dual match play. It's been a mess. But I get, again, well, we know I know Rodgers coming to my region. Up. Yeah, we I don't know Rodgers like, can play well. I think if Texas isn't healthy, and let's say Pepperdine goes there as like the 15, you know, Pepperdine's the uh, Texas is the 15 seed, like that's one to just, it's really hard to beat a team twice. I think Pepperdine's in that range where they are right now in position. I think they will be that most dangerous two seed come the NCAA tournament. Let's move on from them. Another team very much in the mix. Let's talk about San Diego. Obviously, they get the 4-3 win uh, here over, uh, over I'm blanking, uh, Harvard. That's obviously a, a big win for them. And you look for the San Diego team, 13-2 and two overall. And, you know, they've gotten the wins over a Gonzaga already. They beat a UCLA. They beat an FAU, beat a Penn and a Wisconsin, a Utah is that enough, Chris? On the same token, you flip it. Is it is San Diego in the same position as Pepperdine? Basically, yes, but I will say that they're they have a slightly better shot uh, than than Pepperdine does, just because the depth of their wins. Pepperdine ran out, right? They're they're done. They've got one. They've got eight, and you know, and it's and it's a blank after that. San Diego is using, you know, a, a win over Arizona State and right behind it, almost the same points. They've got the UCLA win, the FAU win, the Wisconsin win, all three of them right there. And what what that benefits them is if any of those teams have just a slightly decent run and move up, all of a sudden the points for San Diego get better. Pepperdine doesn't have that opportunity. So there's some there's some benefits to San Diego that are things out of their hands that could help them that Pepperdine doesn't have. But in all likelihood, they're they might be in the same boat where they have to win them both. They though have a better chance of being able to split the two and still hold on. Yeah, no, and their match calculus pretty straightforward. Doubles point, take two of the top three, and then get a win from Will Davies at six. And Davies right now eight and two in the dual match season. Obviously, August Holmgren eleven and three up top. He has a great win. I believe he clinches that match against Harvard. I mean, yeah, I. I don't sleep on San Diego either, whether it's a Sorio at two or just, again, they've got a bunch. It's an experienced group and this is the year for them because this is Holmgren's final season. You have to maximize it. If you're going to make a sweet 16 push, it's now this team 13 and two. It is, you know, again, it's the inverse of Baylor, right? Where there are a lot of pieces. We don't know how it fit together. We know how the San Diego team fits together. And so I think they are still in the hunt as well. And that Pepperdine San Diego matchup again, remains fascinating, any any additional thoughts on that, Maddie? I I just don't think they're they're as dangerous. I mean, I do yeah. obviously like Holmgren. I I just don't know if I see them making the Sweet Sixteen. 
Okay. I, I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if everything broke the right way for him, it could potentially happen. But in my mind, this San Diego team is probably not going to make the Sweet 16. Yeah, no, it, it's fair game. But all right, with that said, let's move to Middle Tennessee. 20 and three is Middle Tennessee this season. And Coach Jimmy Borndame, who joined us on the podcast not that long ago, you know, again, he knows what he has. And he's confident about this group who goes this weekend, 4-3 win over SMU in Dallas, 5-2 win over Rice. Middle Tennessee is this year's Texas. They just keep winning 4-3 matches. They just continue to find ways, whether it's three sets, whether it's four singles victories. That said, you look for them. They've got Texas Tech coming up on Friday. Still have a match against Memphis, Tulsa, Wichita State on the schedule as well. You know what I'm going to ask you, Chris? Is there enough there? Because they have done just about everything that's been asked of them. Yeah, I, they have. But boy, top top 16 still. I mean, it's it's not out of the question by so any. So just, stretch. I guess I should have gone through it. They've beaten Arizona. That's a very nice win. Princeton win, solid. Auburn win, very good. Louisville win, ages better and better by the day. Would have really helped if they'd beaten, you know, a Georgia Tech or a Mississippi State just to get those transitive victories. That said, your losses on the season, 5-2 to Notre Dame. You lose 4-2 to Georgia Tech, 5-2 at Mississippi State. If you win those matches, I think you're definitely in the hunt. That's the problem, though. They, they, the margin of error is so thin, right? They almost need to sweep everything. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, they. it's tough. They're, they're projected for already a jump to 16 this week. Uh, okay. And in large part due to Louisville, right? That Louisville had the big weekend. Louisville jumps into the, you know, jumps way up there and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee gets the gets credit for the points for a much bigger win now. But I do kind of feel like with what some of these other teams are going to do, some of the teams that are hunting for that spot are going to come up with a big win. They're, you know, you feel like they need one more, you know, decent win to replace something they've already got. I just don't know, you know, yes, they, I mean, they've got chances. I mean, a, a win over Tulsa, if they, if they could get that, that would be, you know, that would be a nice replacement for them over using a USF at say 55, right. You know, 54, 55 right now. Win over uh, Memphis. Uh, you know, yeah. A win over Memphis. To, uh, again, I think that one might get a little cheaper as we go. Uh, I'd okay. much rather I think the Tulsa win will hold up, will hold its value better. So it's not out of the question. Uh, some of it to some extent will be, out of their hands, but yeah, they're going to be probably right down to the wire of can, can they manage to, uh, to hold on to a, onto a top 16, No, which is a great, you know, ironically a great place for them to be because Jimmy was burned a couple years ago by being the first team out. Mm -hmm. And he's always the one worried. Do I have enough now? Do I have enough now? Uh, and I think, you know, now Jimmy, you've got enough you're in, you know, he's, 
He's not worried about the top 16. He's worried about making sure he's not, you know, number 42 in the first team out. Uh, that's what I like. And no, that's what I like to hear. And that's not going to happen this year. And again, I think you made the case there for Memphis, who's 10 and three, but it's just, I don't know if they have enough left on the schedule either. So with that said, let's move on. Uh, talk about, uh, get, you know, again, talk about some of these other results, but all of these teams, super impressive. And again, Middle Tennessee, Memphis, Pepperdine, San Diego, those are matchups we're going to see in the next month. So certainly we will be on the lookout for those as they occur Let's talk about NC State next. And obviously yesterday, NC State, a massive victory over South Carolina. They get a 4-2 win over Northwestern this week as well. I know I'm sticking with a theme here, but these are the questions we ask, folks, because when you're monitoring the college tennis season, certainly at the top, those teams know they're getting into the NCAA tournament. It's can I be a top eight seed? Can I be an NCAA regional host? Yeah, they lost their matchup to Duke. Yeah, they lost their matchup to Miami, Chris. But this is a nice catch-up for NC State, who's very young. This is not the year you expect them to be at their best. And yet, are they top 16 good already? They're right there. I mean, honestly, if you look at next week's projected rankings, Arizona at 17 to NC State at 20 is like half a point. which is nothing in the rankings. I mean, it is, you might as well just throw them up and, and, and see where they fall. And then it's only another point to middle Tennessee. Who's, you know, sitting in that projected 16 spot. They absolutely can do it. And the bonus they have, like I've talked where we've talked about teams like Pepperdine and San Diego, getting very little opportunity and basically needing to beat each other. NC state gets plenty of opportunity. I mean, there's no lack of opportunity for them in the ACC. So uh, you know, that one's really not on it. That's not on them going, oh, we've got this one match that we just have to win or or we don't have a chance. You know, they've got a bunch left in the regular season and then they've got an ACC tournament that they get to go. Hey, let's just jump up and win a good match or two anywhere. It's and, and it helps. Yeah. And correction, they didn't lose to Duke. They lost to Florida State. It was the tough Florida swing at Miami for uh, two at Florida State for three. They lose at Wake five two. You know, outside of that, their losses this season, kickoff weekend to Ole Miss. This is a very young team. I don't think there's any shame in that loss. 4-3 loss to Georgia, nothing wrong with that. You know, they beat North Carolina, and they still have Duke and North Carolina again on the schedule. They're at Virginia this weekend. That's a massive opportunity. That first weekend of April at Louisville, at Notre Dame, that's become a sneaky, important weekend now as well, given the success of those two teams. I mean, again, North Carolina State's 12 and five overall. And you look at the success they're having. I don't think there's any one standout performer. They've been pretty good everywhere, Maddie. I think it's going to be them versus Duke for, uh, you know, potentially a top 16 sort of seed and certainly a, a final, you know, a semifinal spot come conference tournament. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. How fun would that be? I mean, I would love to see that. I, and again, I I can't remember if you have the schedule pulled up for NC State. Where, when and where is that Duke-NC State April, match? April In 15th. Raleigh, April 15th, both Duke and North Carolina coming to Raleigh. What day of the week is the 15th? Friday, 6 p.m. Friday, Ooh. Friday Sunday. I'm going to have to make an appearance to that match. Yeah. I, that's that's one that, that your boy's going to have to You know it's beat. serious if Maddie's coming out. Yeah, I'm going to have to come out for that one. Look, I think this NC State team on a given day can compete with just about any team in the country. I'm not going to say every team, but just about on a given day. The problem is 
there's a little bit of inconsistency, right? Like you get the weekend where you lose to Florida State and Miami, but then you come back and you, you know, beat Northwestern and you beat South Carolina and they look really good. It's just this team has some talent. They're young and they have the potential to be really, really good. But it's a bit of a it's almost like a coin flip. It's like, which NC State are we going to get? So, you know, when we get down to the postseason, man, let's let's hope it lands on heads instead of tails. I mean, if you're the Wolf Pack, you just have to hope that guys like Martins Rosens and, and Robin Catry and, you know, these guys are, are really, you know, Braden Schick, you know, lower in the lineup. Guys like that, they bring their A game because if yeah. they do, they can win. But if they're a little bit off, then they're going to lose to these teams that are in the top 10, top 12, top 15. We've seen it all year long. So um, the Wolf, they're a very interesting team. And I, I cannot wait for that Duke match and especially the ACC tournament. Because like Chris said, I mean, they're going to have plenty of opportunities here to get as many wins as they need. I mean, I'm not worried about that. If they if they handle their business, they'll be right where they want to be. No, and then again, Sylvester's been good. Vince yep. Sambeek's been good. Stahelli's been good. Yeah. They've just been good. And so I guess the question is, but a Scotty little inconsistent be- though. Sure. Fair. That Fair. Just, the- I mean, that, that comes with the fresh, the, you know, the young team, right? Yeah. Right. Just, you, not only are they young, but they have, you know, because they're young, they haven't been around long enough to have it built into the culture that we just expect to win. We know we're going to, you know, when it gets down to being a three all match or we're, or we can even get it to three all and we're going to grind it out they're going to have those weekends where it it just doesn't happen. And that's not built into those guys yet. It's so my question though, Chris, it's like when we get into the NCAA tournament, where's your confidence level? Like, it's like, uh, I'm with you. Like you could draw, you could throw them up against a a top five seed and they might be able to win. And then they could go out the next day and lose to number 25. Right. 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 Yeah. That's why my confidence. Yeah. The odds of, if you're looking at a national championship, right, the odds of being able to do that and put it together six matches in a row, no, it's that's not, not this team. That's not that's not this year for them. But no, but can they have a really good run? Uh, you know, get a yeah, fairly easy first rounder. You know, a, get a really tough, good second round match, but make it out, and then you're in the round of sixteen. Maybe get one more, but after that, yeah, it's, the odds of continuing to do it are just going to be really tough. Do they no. need to beat one of Virginia or Wake to be a top 16 seed? No. They can just sweep everything else, right? Oh, yeah. If yeah, they beat Duke. Yeah. No, they're going to be in the mix. You get enough top 35 wins. Again, there's a lot of top 35 caliber teams in the ACC this year, particularly with the rise of, you know, the Miamis, Louisville's, Notre Dame's at the world, all playing well. So, yeah, watch out for this NC State team. Certainly they will be a college contender probably as soon as next season i'll just add this Gruskin. they're they're sitting projected at 20 next week and they're ca- that's counting a win over presbyterian who's ranked over 100 yeah. yeah so you know you're talking about a rank over a 30 they'll take a rank over a team at number 50 and it'll be a big jump for them right now yeah again and it's half a point separating teams 17 and 20 so things margins thin let's go to the flip side of this match south carolina you guys said let's cross them off last week. Yeah, is it is still why. a year early? Are we crossing That's, them off? Yeah. They already did. They yeah. have they 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 don't have an answer at five and six. And yep. and 
you just can't, I mean, there are other teams in that boat that we think are better, better fit, but yeah, they just, they, they consistently have shown they can't give us an answer at five and six. And I'll still say, and I still struggle with Lambling at four. I mean, it's just, yeah. there's just too many, it's not consistent and it's not there for them to be able to make a run. Maddie, you're shaking your head in agreement. Yeah. I completely agree. I like the team and they are dangerous. I mean, if you find South Carolina in your section of the draw, come NCAAs, it's like, yeah. oh, all right, let's let's be prepared here and make sure that we handle our business because they're dangerous, but they they can't win it. They cannot. You almost feel like it's it's like this. What's funny is coming off of this match, to me, this team feels a little, you know, a little more than a little bit like last year's NC State team. They're really good at doubles. They're almost a lock at one. Yep. But then they just can't find enough after it. Yep. I think that's fair. Well, then, again, with all of that said, let's move on uh, to the rest of the results we had this week. And there were a bunch of good ones. We'll go through this quickly here uh, because don't want to spend too long on anything. Uh, let's go through again. Are we hitting the panic button for Tennessee? They drop another match this weekend to Georgia, still without Monday. I think we just all agree pretty quickly, right? Across the board, I'll start with you, Manny. Doesn't count till Monday's back. Right. You've got to be healthy. I mean, I'm not going to panic until I see them start losing these. I mean, if they get Monday back and he's fine, then again, I'm not pressing the panic button just yet. Yeah. Chris shakes his head in agreement. So I'm going to assume that's a yes from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not panicking. But, but what I am seeing is absolutely zero faith that they can do it without him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, the, even oh, within, they need him. Yeah. The team has to they, believe, look, if we don't have him, we're done. And if he doesn't come back and he doesn't come back fully healthy in their own heads, they're done. Yeah. And, if, if, right. No, fair. All right. Let's move on again. Arizona, 4 3 win over USC. Is Arizona back? Mm, what do you mean by back? I wouldn't say they're back. I mean, USC. Hey, it's a good win, right? It's it's a rivalry match. That's yeah, a this very was good, good win, win. Bad loss is this good win in LA? Yeah, I, I think believe. I mean, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good win for Arizona. Are they back as what like a top ten type of contender? No, but it was a good win, Chris. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say they're back, I, but it it was absolutely a good win, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully they they do look like they've sort of. Uh, they, they, it seemed like they went away, if you will, and they're starting to play better. And yeah, they, you know, they, they look the part that we thought maybe we were going to see coming into the year that they're going to have to finish and run through the conference tournament with too. Again, that, yeah, dangerous team. Arizona is a dangerous team, right? If you find them in your section of the draw, you better be prepared because you know, they have the players to get it done. They just haven't really performed their capabilities this year yet. Fair. I will say this. Three months later, Colton Smith is exactly the real deal we thought he would be as a freshman for this team. Is USC a top 16 team? I don't know if they are this year. Maddie? I'm not saying they can't finish top 16. I just think if they make the quarterfinals this year, that's a win. Oh, yeah. Oh, the quarterfinal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if they make the quarters, that's definitely that's as good as they're going to do. They're not going any further than that. And and they may not even make the quarters, you know, but top 16. Yeah, no, I do. I do still think the Trojans are our sweet 16 material for sure. I do. Chris. Oh, totally accurate assessment. I mean, 
they're not going to be a top eight seed, which means nope. even if they hold on to a top 16, which is borderline right now, they have to go on the road for that matchup against a top eight team. So if they manage to make the quarters, they've done a hell of a job by beating, knocking off a top eight on the road. The entire West Coast is in trouble. I don't know if they're going to get a top eight anything because everyone keeps beating everyone. And so uh, that's a tough position for the Trojans. And again, it's a very young team and they still bring most of the nucleus back next year as well. So perhaps it is a year too soon for the Trojans as well. Again, let's keep They're, they're not on. getting the top eight seed. Right? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But let's move on. How about the Cardinals of Louisville and Westoff? If you want to chime in, now may be your moment here, Louisville. <laughs> 4-3 over FSU, 4-2 over Miami. I don't know if this, again, if we're playing good win, bad loss here, that they came consecutively. I don't know how you can say anything, but good win for this Louisville team. I want to go to you first, Chris, because this is your neck of the woods. They can play. Yeah, I mean, they've got some really dangerous guys playing lower in the lineup for them in Rodriguez and Hernandez. But people just, I mean, I won't say coaches under it. Coaches know it. And they're like, oh, my God, they've got these guys down low that are just, you know, they're very, very dangerous team. And if they can get David Mizrahi at six to do what he's been doing here and winning these matches for him. I mean, they were down that Florida state match. They're down three, two and Mizrahi who, you know, is to me as I, when I've seen him play in the past is more, you know, a bigger pace is better suited for indoors. Uh, Rodrigo really likes this kid and he's playing him outdoors and he's, and he's justifying that, that playing time. And he comes from five, four down in the third wins it and puts it all on, on Chen and, and who turns around and wins that match to clinch it for him over Florida state. They are, I mean, they're a legit dangerous team and they're playing well right now. Maddie, good, good wins. I mean, when you beat FSU and Miami like that, I mean, I consider those good, good wins for Louisville but how dangerous, Chris? Like, to me, they're not dangerous where they're scaring any of the top, you know, the elite, elite teams. Right. Um, you know, but they're dangerous where they could, you know, they could upset somebody in the tournament. I just don't think it's going to be one of the, you know, the big guns. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would say dangerous from a standpoint of if you were the 15 or 16 seed that was hosting right. and had them in your region then maybe they, they might, you know, they, they could jump up and, and bite somebody, but yeah, right. not beyond that. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And now again, this helps the whole conference, right. With a strong Louisville and it just makes all these wins valuable. Uh, certainly with that in mind, how many ACC teams are NCAA bound? I apologize. I know that says ACC bound, but Chris, as of right now, I feel like, I mean, who I'm trying to think who's not going to get in, in the conference nine, Clemson nine right now. So who's, who's not in right now? Boston college. Yeah. yeah Boston college, well, Boston college and Virginia tech are givens out. But Virginia uh, tech was the best team of opening weekend. Well, <laughs> Clemson. Clemson is basically probably a, a, you know, given to be out. They'd have to have come up with a monster win. And Georgia tech is a long way out at 59. Those yeah. are the four out right now. Uh, and it would, it would take a lot to get one of them in. And then everybody else is pretty, you know, fairly comfortably in right now. Miami is the last in it, you know, next week's projections as of now 36 for Miami, the cut lines 41. So, Ooh. so they're, they're five spots in Louisville cut projected 33, you know, they're well in, and then everybody else is inside the top 30. So 
I no. think all those teams make it. I I think so too. I think all nine of those teams get in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, then let's rapid fire through quick game of good win, bad loss, stick with the ACC. And again, you can straight up one word answer, unless you want to say a little bit more FSU four, two over Notre Dame, Maddie. FSU four, two over Notre Dame. Um, on the road, on the road. Okay. Good win. Yeah. Chris. Good yeah, win good, I, for that reason. Yeah. Good win. Notre Dame four, three over Miami. Maddie. Was it, was that at home or on the road? At home. At home. God, these are tough. I mean, I, I kind of like to say good win. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm with you. I want to say good win, but I'm also, I, I just have this, there's a feeling in my gut right now that Miami is just kind of fading. Yeah. Uh, you Why know, did, it, it does seem they like started that. out real well. And they're just a lot of these, a lot of these matches, they're just, you know, after they got beat like 4-0 at home by Carolina. And now, you know, the, the, the loss to Louisville, loss to, to Notre Dame. It's, it's, they're sort of, it seems like a slide here. It was yeah. a tough weekend. No doubt about that. Virginia, Georgia Tech. Good loss. 4-3 UVA, by the way. Yeah, good loss. This one doesn't even <laughs> qualify. This is a good loss. Uh, yeah, four, we, four, yeah. And then 4-3 Virginia Tech over Clemson. I think we would all agree good win. How about this? Kentucky, 6-1 over AM, 4-3 over Auburn. Those are both good wins, right, for these Wildcats team. Those are the sort of wins you get when you are clearly a top 16 borderline, if not a surely top 10 team, Maddie. Yeah, but if we can say good win, but expected, though. We expected. Well, the turnaround against Auburn because they were down in that match. Okay, I didn't see that match. I have no idea what happened yeah, well, there, but well, – what happened there, Maddie? I'll give you. It was actually a a pretty straightforward going into three all. Basically, every match went straight sets, and it was a it was three. The next thing you knew, it was three all after five straight set matches and singles. And it was Draxel, and and then all comes down to I oh I think it was on uh, Musatelli. I thought I oh. no Diallo that no Diallo against Auburn. I think Musatelli up to three. And then I think it was all down to a third setter on in that match. So it was, you know, again, they did what they had to do. Like you said, right. Affected. You should win. Uh, but, uh, and I had this, I already had this conversation with the Auburn folks. They're not happy. They wanted to win. They think any loss is a bad loss. I still say from an Auburn perspective, good loss, right? I mean, nobody wants to lose. But a team like that that's not been up at that level for several right. years to come that close and and the guys actually now believe, hey, we're we're right there. We can we can play with Kentucky. We're right there at this at that level now. That builds, you know, that's got to build confidence in the heads of the players. It's not them telling themselves they can do it. They actually went out and did it. Yes, you didn't win, but you were there and you didn't lose. I mean, look, two days later, AM goes in there and gets beat six one. Right. That's yeah, I saying. can't from from Auburn's perspective, I can't look at that as some terrible loss. Right. No. Yeah. No, again, I think I think it was a good loss. And I also think it's a good win for Kentucky to continue to get those victories and establish that confidence. They think they're on the tier with Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, and none of the results they've had thus far. And they still get Tennessee a little bit later. So that's popcorn sort of match. Auburn does bounce back with four win, one win over Vandy. I think we all agree that's a good win. LSU, 
I like this LSU team, whether it's Holman, whether it's Hunter, whether it's Kozlov, again, Diaz, 4-3 over Vandy. Now, the Vandy bubble burst a bit this weekend, but I still thought they played two close matches and probably should have won that match at home against LSU. That said, I kind of like the Tigers, Chris. I mean, look, I, I like – I do. I, the LSU is dangerous, uh, you know, Kent Hunter is a really dangerous guy. They've got, they've got danger down when, and again, it's the kind of dangerous that Maddie and I were talking about when we're talking about a dangerous with Louisville. Yeah. They're not dangerous in terms of they're going to beat <laughs> top teams, but, but they're dangerous from the perspective of you. You think you've got a bottom rung sec team that's ranked somewhere around number 50 coming at you. And then all of a sudden, and you're number, you know, 20 and they knock you off like they did with Ole Miss. That can happen, but yeah, both LSU and Vandy in the same in the same boat. There, look, I so just a quick side note, Gruskin. I, I had the opportunity, and I posted the one on Twitter. I went out the Florida State guys on on Friday night here or Saturday night before their match. I got an opportunity to meet up with the A and M folks for breakfast on Sunday before their match with Kentucky. And those are the kinds of questions I asked the coach. I'm like, hey, you know, what are your thoughts? For real, not for real. And I go through these teams, right? And I'm like, and one of the teams I'm I'm always interested in is Vandy. They've been down for so, you know, for so many years here. I'm like, is the team for real? And I got nothing but a resounding, yeah, I think, I think they're for real. They're not, uh, you know, they're not just living off a couple of cheap wins and the same with LSU. So I, I don't, there's a little, there's at least some respect amongst the coaches there when I talk to them for those teams that, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sold yet on the Vandy side of the house. I do like, I mean, we know with LSU that Holman's going to be a tough out no matter what. I've seen Kent Hunter now and I'm very impressed. You know, I mean, you know what you're getting out of Kozlov day in, day out. Uh, and so, and that's just going to be a battle. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely dangerous. And, and I watched them both matches the Mississippi weekend, right? They lose a really tight one to state. They win with Ole Miss. Yeah, they can beat a top 25-ish, you know, 2025 team after that. I don't think they're much of a threat. All right. Well said. Well, with that, let's move on. And again, we're rapid firing through here. Just want to talk about some of the other notable results. Illinois beats UCF 4-3. I think we all agree. Good win just across the board, or maybe no mm, one wins. I don't in know that about match. that. I Maddie, don't know. It's, bad loss, you say? Yeah, sure. I, yeah, right. I, I'd go more with bad loss than good win. Yeah. All right. Lock it in. Oregon, 4-3 over Nebraska. Good win, bad loss. <laughs> Nebraska? It, it, it's neither. Okay. Right. All right. They say neither. Uh, Tulsa, 4-3 over Oregon. That, I, th- I mean, that I think is a solid win. It, well, it's definitely not a bad loss. No. But I'm not even going to go so far as to – I'll say from a points perspective – Good win. Oregon yeah. just hasn't been very impressive this year. So it's a match that Tulsa really, they, they needed to, you know, they, they should win. I'd be concerned if they didn't and they did. Okay. Oklahoma state four, three over Tulane. Whatever. Mm. Oklahoma state four, three or oh, four, two over Memphis. I think that's a good win. Yeah, I guess. All right. Interesting. I like this. No, tough graders. Good. Be Memphis 4-3 over Tulane. I would imagine you'd say there are no winners or losers in that one. SMU uh 5-2 over USF. See, that doesn't shock me. I like SMU. 
I mean, yeah. And USF's down. I mean, USF just wherever they pulled something out of their rear end against Columbia outside of that, nothing this year. Well, there you go. USF 4-3 over Columbia. That's a great and much desperately needed win for that UCF yeah, team. Yeah, that's a good win. Yeah, Ten, that's huge for them. That's good. 4-3 over ODU. For, that's a good win for them. All right, we'll take it. This is a good podcasting, guys. And here's the creme de la creme. FGCU, Kennesaw State, 4-3, 4-1 over Liberty. Chris, 30 seconds. The floor is yours. FGCU, good win, came back from 3-0 down against Liberty. Liberty just, you know, whatever. They crapped the bed. Mm. Kennesaw State, huge win. Liberty, horrible loss. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't even go in the bad loss column. <laughs> horrible loss on a weekend that I honestly was dreading before it started. They drove from Virginia to Atlanta. They flew from Atlanta to Florida. I'm a absolute scheduling nightmare and they backed it up with play that was even worse uh i'm sorry <laughs> you know I, it is what it is bad as losses bad, as harsh as i was on tennessee that's how bad liberty was this weekend all right we can leave that there then let's move on now to the rankings here this week because again with all of that movement across the country certainly our ranking is going to change a bit here and you know again fairly stable I would say in terms of the teams you see in the top 10, but certainly some movement amongst the order. And of course, now when we talk top 10, we talk cross-offs and you look last week, some of the teams we crossed off and how things have changed this week in the top 10, just to name where we're at. We have Florida one TCU two. And if you can, can you pull up the computer uh, rankings right now, super producer Daniel Westoff as well, because if you look Florida one, TCU two slightly different than the computer rankings, which right now have Florida and TCU tied at that number one spot. We have Michigan three, Ohio state four, wake four, uh, just to, I'll go through ours quickly. So TCU two, Michigan three, Ohio state four, wake forest five, Baylor six, Georgia seven, South Carolina, eight, uh, Tennessee, nine, Kentucky, 10. You go uh, again, computer rankings right now. They have TCU one, Florida two, Ohio State three, Tennessee still higher up at four on the strength of their wins, Michigan five, South Carolina six, Georgia seven, Wake Forest eight, Baylor nine, Texas 10. Baylor falls out of our top 10. I'll say this. I don't think they fell out of, well, I think they actually may have fallen out of my top 10 this week. If not, no, 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 they don't. Excuse me. I see them at number six, but they almost fall out of the top 10. They fall out of the top five this week. There we go. Good math, Alex. Good reading. As we look at the cross-offs, and let's start playing a game here. Last week's cross-off, we crossed off South Carolina. We crossed off uh, Wake, Wake Forest, I believe, and we crossed off Kentucky from our current top 10. You look at where we're at now and on this list. Are we ready to cross off Baylor? What? We're not We're not even going to give any of those guys a chance here, Gruskin? Which ones? That you already lined out. Well, you no, know, you crossed them off last week. We don't get the opportunity to change our minds. We want to uncross. Can we uncross super producer Daniel Westoff? You're the one who makes those sort of decisions. No, I don't want to uncross. I'm sticking with still not, I'm not crossing off Texas, by the way. They are not crossed off on my list. I don't think they're crossed off on yours either, Maddie. No, but I like our rankings better than the, the computer rankings, though. When we had that graphic just up there side by side, I, I like ours better. 
Truthfully. So, Chris, you want to uncross someone who? Make the case. Here, here you go, Gruskin. I, you guys will not will say no. I know Maddie says no, but I'll say put my vote in. And then, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks when you want to come with me, that's fine. But here you go, Gruskin. Uncross um, Kentucky. Super producer Daniel Westoff, make it so. Oh, here's he the says, deal. that's so hilarious. To... Westoff says I won't do it. He says he refuses. He says, thank yeah. you. Kentucky. Thank you. Thank that's you, Westoff. Here, here's the deal. And here, here's here's the Hell thing. With, we've talked about South Carolina <laughs> having no answer at five or six. My take coming into the year and for the first half of the year was really the same with Kentucky. I had a problem with five and six, five and six. I still have an issue with six for Kentucky. I've not seen Josh Lapidat play a match where he wasn't the second or third best player on any court at the match when I've been out there. He won against Florida when I went to watch him. This weekend, he got he destroyed whoever he played from Auburn. Then he goes and beats Perego two and one. And this is the funny part. I walked away from that match watching Lapidat out with Perego going, that kid Perego is going to be good. I mean, he's good. I, I know you said it, Gruskin. I watched him. Holy cow, does he have a, a game on him? And he got beat two and one. And I honestly don't know how. Like, if you make me watch those guys hit, I will take Perego all day. And Lapidat just, I mean, he's great. I've, you know, and so, you know, I've seen enough now to say, hey, I haven't watched a fluke. He's the real deal at five. If you throw him in as a real deal at five with what they already have in the top four and Diallo back. And I, you know, I think that's just something with him that was, uh, you know, it was precautionary and he's fine. They're not like a, a four question mark They're They've got a solid top five, still a question at six. And now it comes down to me is, can they play doubles? You know, Cedric came to me between doubles and singles and said, I prayed last night. It worked. He goes, watch out. Kentucky wins doubles. Watch out. And he's right. If they can win doubles, super, super dangerous. Here's the thing, though. Didn't we do a segment earlier today on what's Ohio State's answer at six? I think a lot of these teams still have some question marks. And that's why I'm saying if you get down to where your only question is six, I'm okay. Uncross. When you have five and six as questions, I don't feel good about it. No, I'm with you. I'm I'm down to uncross. Maddie, though, and Westoff make their decision. We're not crossing off Michigan. I can tell you that much. No, the absolutely have certainly not. earned that right. Oh, uncrossed by super producer Daniel Westoff. The I only like other it. one on this list that we may consider would maybe be Georgia that I might cross off. But other than them, leave everything uncrossed. Everybody I else would, is open. Would you cross Georgia, Chris? No. Yeah, I agree. Then leave them open. Then all leave right, them leave all them open for now. I will say this. It was a little backhanded, but I was talking about UCF women with head coach Brian Kenyeko, a podcast you can find on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. You can also find that I meant to plug it earlier, a full conversation with University of Michigan men's tennis head coach Adam Steinberg on all the success that team has had. But coach, I made a, an observation about one of the freshmen in Coach Kenyeko's lineups, and he goes, oh, you really do watch tennis. He goes, oh, you are observant. And I was like, well, yeah, like I do. And I will say this. I told you Lapidot was that good. I told you Mitsui was that good. I was wrong about Columbia, so I missed on a whole team. But on Mitsui and Lapidot, <laughs> I, you could just tell right away the aggression. Hey, you were wrong on with. Diaz too. Eh, I mean, was I? But 
jury's still out. Jury's still out on if I'm wrong on Diaz. I, I said I was taking the L earlier. I'm no longer taking the L. With that said, uh, again, that's where things stand. Let's look at the week ahead now, and there are a lot of fun matches happening across the country. You know, we mentioned that Baylor TCU matchup. That's certainly one we will all have our eyes on. Wake Forest, NC State traveling to Virginia this weekend. That's exciting. Tennessee and Georgia at AM. The Louisville, Notre Dame, UNC, Duke split. Some Stanford, USC, UCLA love. I'll start with you, Maddie. What are you watching most closely? Yeah, no, I mean, all of those. Um, yeah. I, really, I mean, what's what's not to like, right? Some BCU, of the, Cornell, I'm in. I don't know if I'm in on that one, but I mean, let's, let's be real. I'm probably going to focus on the SEC and the ACC matches more than anything else. Northwestern but, at Ohio State's pretty good, too. Yeah, that's that's true. That'll be an interesting one. Stanford and USC obviously is interesting in the Pac-12. We've got some other ones in there, but primarily – you know, obviously I'm going to be tuned into Baylor and and Duke for sure. This is another big weekend for Duke. I think if they want to, you know, do look Notre Dame and Louisville, these are two teams that if they want to get to where they want to go, let's, let's go win these matches, blue devils. Um, so we'll see. Chris, there's also, you know, Middle Tennessee, Texas Tech. That can be exciting. Again, VCU, Cornell, VCU uh, taking on, I believe, USF as well, have some NCAA implications. Cal versus UCLA maybe is fun for inverse reasons. That Oregon, Washington, Utah trio, pretty fun. Am I missing anything? What are you watching most closely? Well, you know, I, I always start in the SEC and, the, and the, the interesting ones to me that I'll call out. Tennessee, basically, you know, three in a row down. I don't, I don't think this is the weekend we see Monday back. I think it's maybe another week out still. If there's no Monday, a match at AM could get tricky, right? I mean, look, they just played Auburn to a four, three match. Uh, uh, or I'm sorry, that was good. But they, they just, they're coming off those three losses. AM could be a tricky team outdoors if they don't have a Monday. It'll be a test, I will say, at, at, a, at a minimum. So I think that's that's an interesting match for me. I think in the ACC, in Maddie's neck of the woods, the Louisville weekend, after the big jump last weekend, they get the Carolina schools this weekend, you know, or two of them anyway, in North Carolina and Duke. So I, I, I would think with both of those being on the road, if you're Louisville, you feel really good if you get a split, whichever way that manages to go. You just you'd want to come out of there not going 0-2 if you can. Back in the SEC, the other Friday one that really intrigues me, Auburn at Old Miss. Auburn actually ranked higher than Old Miss right now, which is, you know, probably the first time in many years that's been the case playing. Weather looks good, so it looks to be an outdoor match, which will be critical for Auburn uh, to be able to play with Old Miss. You don't want to play those guys indoors. That has all the writings of just a really good and rowdy, rowdy match. And we'll see, we'll see how the Auburn guys respond. They didn't respond great indoors at middle Tennessee with a rowdy crowd. They're going to need to have learned from that and turn it around if they want to try to win uh, at Ole Miss. I'm a little intrigued down in the big 12 with an Oklahoma, Texas match. It's a match. It's at Texas. Texas should win. Yeah. Oklahoma sort of feels like they, like they had a, they made a push around that 7-0 A&M win, mm -hmm. but then it's kind of just nothing. 
but it's it's one of those that man if 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 those Oklahoma guys if they all play to what they you know their level they can play at that could be tricky and I'll just say in the SEC is this Gruskin the weekend that Arkansas pulls off the big home win Mm. it happens every year they get Florida and South Carolina it would be one of those monster wins if they managed to do it against either one of those two teams. I think it's asking a bit much to beat Florida. Yeah. South Carolina better be careful. Be- uh, again, Arkansas is just a brutal place to go play. The wind is horrible. The crowd's on top of you. It's You're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you know, you've traveled further to get there than any of your normal SEC trips. You're not, you know, just the, the course of getting there is not great. It's it's always tough. I'll be interested to see if this is the weekend they pull it off. They do it every year. We thought they almost had it against Kentucky. They didn't pull it out. Do they get it this South time? Carolina? Yeah, they could. It, it could. That that could be the one. They're not beating Florida. No, I don't. I don't see that happening either. Well, I like that you bring these matches up because with that in mind, let's talk about the matches we're going to have for you here on our Crack Rackets cross-court cast. You look at our SEC coverage, that starts tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Certainly going to be fun to watch that Arkansas-Florida battle on the men's side. And, you know, again, I think Mississippi State, uh, they need that win now against Alabama. A Tennessee against A&M, I think A&M can absolutely knock off the Vols. If there's no Johannes Monday, it's going to be a really fun Friday. And of course, you can follow all of that action on each of the team websites. Of course, as you look towards Sunday, our Big Ten action really kick, picking up uh, here this weekend. Again, we're going to have that Northwestern Ohio State men's match. We'll have Michigan, Wisconsin. We'll have Michigan State, Nebraska, Penn State, Illinois. Got juice for all of you this weekend as we try to provide college tennis the platform we know it deserves again Monday broadcast available for all of you on our cracked rackets youtube channel with that said that's everything folks another week in the books fantastic week of college tennis of course we'll be back next week to recap it all and if you're looking for additional coverage sec big 10 specific shows coming to you all this week on the great shot podcast feed conversations with ucs women's head coach brian kenyako michigan men's head coach adam steinberg available on our cracked interviews podcast feed and all that content available on the website crackrackets.com of course if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at crack rackets you want to message me directly i'm at al gruskin a shout out as always to super producer daniel westoff for the heck of a job he does day in day out making it possible for us to go live on youtube with that said michigan versus villanova maddie who you got tonight well, in my bracket, I picked Nova. So we did a we reseeded once we got to the Sweet 16 because my bracket was so busted after the first couple rounds. <laughs> um, I picked Nova, but I think that was more just me really hoping that Michigan loses more than anything else. I do think Michigan has a chance, but um, I'm going to go with the coach that I trust a little bit more. You know, you've got Jawan Howard and you've got Jay Wright for, for Nova. Um, I'll go Villanova. Fair. Chris? Did you mean to win or you were taking him in a fight? Well, <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> oh, well, Ooh. right now, here's what I'll say. You look I'm at hanging the, up. Here's what I say. You look at the Crack Rackets challenge. Oh, your boy is sneaking closer and closer to first place. And if Michigan wins tonight, I think I may be in first. Chris, that was fine. <laughs>
You know, the key is there is I just ignore anything Chris says. That's I didn't. the key, always. Um, God, that, that was great. And I'm with you, Maddie. I'll, I'll take Jay Wright, too. Go. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, then with that said, look, no shots at Juwan. OK, that's my guy. And I guess with given we started 30 minutes celebrating, that's a good place to end. But with that in mind, of course, a shout out to our friends at Swing Vision and Turna as well. You can learn more about Swing Vision. Click on the link in the description to this podcast. Email sales at uniquesports.com to learn more about Turna. With all of that said, four. My fantastic co-host, Matt the Crack, Sikoyak, Chris Helios, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turn On. From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, hey. Great, shot. great shot. And we will see you all next week. Go Blue! mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.